Health Matters with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's edition of Health Matters. This evening, I'm joined by Dr. Martin de Villiers. He's a family physician and a specialist in family medicine. He's also a member of the Men's Health Association, which launched this month. And Dr. de Villiers and I tonight are going to be talking about men's health. So all you men out there, if you have any questions, please don't leave it to the last minute because then we're not going to be able to speak with you. So if you have any questions, please do call in good time. 0892102010. Dr. De Villiers, good evening. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, and it's wonderful to be here. It's one of those topics that um, sometimes a little difficult because we have to try and get the men to listen. Yeah, and and the nice thing about a topic, it's supposed to focus on health. So we want to prevent illness and we want to prevent disease, and hence the topic. Right, so let's get right into that now. And um, what is the biggest problem that we're facing with men and their health at the moment? The big challenge um, in, in, and why we have um, the, the whole focus of Men's Health Month and, and the whole of June will be focusing on men's health is that the life expectancy of men across the world is significantly less than that of women. So... A man lives approximately six years less, and we're not sure why. And a lot of reasons are being um, put on the table to explain it, um, but we don't have the answer. What we do, however, know is that um, there is this persisting myth that men just don't go to the doctor when they need it. When they have sexual health problems, they don't talk about it. It's not something that, that you talk about. Um, and they just don't do normal um, screening examinations um, that is necessary to detect disease early. When we detect early, we can successfully treat or more successfully treat when, than when you diagnose late. So it is very important that we try and do something about preventable disease, but also early detect and manage where we can. Well, if you'd like to take the first step, if, you, if you're thinking that there's possibly a problem, haven't been to the doctor, maybe take the first step this evening and give us a call and have a word with Dr. De Villiers, and I'm sure he'll point you in the right direction. So to do that, you can call us now on 0892-102010, 0892-102010. Right, and what is the other thing? They don't like ever going for prostate checks. That's the other big one. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the famous one. Um. But it is very important. Um, I think, you know, when we talk about cancer and don't underestimate how cancer is increasing in our country, um, the incidence of cancer in general is low. Um, so just to give you an idea, around about 250 per 100,000 people get cancer every year. And there's about um, 1% of people, of 100,000 people, living with cancer. Um, but it, it's in the increase. And if we look at the statistics, um, the death statistics in South Africa, it is the second biggest killer. So don't underestimate it. The burden is huge, um, the physical, financial, um, psychological burden. Um, so... If we can detect early, the chances of managing is so good. So I want to touch on a few cancers tonight while we're on the cancer topic. The one is, is um, a cancer that happens in young boys, teenagers, and young men. Anything between the age of 15 and 30 years of age, you can get testicular cancer. 
It's a cancer that when it is diagnosed early can be treated successfully, um, but we still see too many young men dying because of testicular cancer. So the important thing, again, is like we tell women, know your breast, know how it feels, so that if there's any change, that you can alert and go to your doctor immediately. So know your testes. Know how it feels. Know that if there's any, any growth, you need to consult with the doctor immediately. Prostate cancer, um, certainly in our country and globally, um, the highest incidence of all cancers in men, and it usually occurs after the age of 50. But again, as with other cancers, the family history is very important. So if there is a family history of prostate cancer, obviously it can occur a little bit earlier and your screening need to, to be a little bit earlier. And how do we screen for prostate cancer? Now, um, it is part of the general health examination when you are being um, screened uh, by your family practitioner. One of the tests is a rectal examination and men fear it, um, but it is really not painful. Um, I think it's possibly just the thought of it that it, puts men off. It's, it's probably that. But the point is that when one, when one do a rectal examination and you feel the prostate, you can actually feel the consistency and you can feel if there's any growth on the prostate. You can feel the difference. There's two lobes and you can feel if there's any difference between the two lobes. So if you go um, yearly for, for um, that kind of examination, your doctor who always see you will know if there's a change. And secondly, there's a test, the PSA, the prostate-specific antigen, which is a tumor marker. And if there's a rise um, in that, it gives us an indication that we need um, referral to a specialist to have a biopsy done to be able to diagnose cancer, um, prostate cancer. It's not enough just to have the blood test, though. No, it is not enough. It is uh, You need to have both the rectal examination. You can get away, and people are trying to get away with it, but we recommend, and, and the scientific evidence support, that you get a rectal examination and the PSA. Once it is diagnosed, um, uh, a lot of, of prostate cancers are really slow-growing and, and don't cause um, um, death in men very, very quickly. However, there's um, about a third of all prostate cancers that's very aggressive. So one need to make a diagnosis and you need to decide on um, um, a treatment modality um, that will um, cure your cancer. There's also one treatment modality called um, active surveillance, which means if it is a slow-growing cancer, it can actually be watched under supervision of your specialist, the oncologist and the urologist who will determine whether there's progression or whether one can continue just observing and making sure um, that it doesn't progress. I think one of the concerns as well is that back in the day, people who had some form of operation or there was a surgical intervention when it came to prostate cancer ended up with erectile dysfunction and there were all sorts of other problems. That isn't always necessarily the case these days. No, um, and there's other treatment modalities mm. and there's modern techniques that can be used um, that spares and or saves the nerve and and the blood um, um, and therefore pre prevent those um, 
uh, side effects. But we do get it. And um, unfortunately, if you have cancer, that's one of the, the side effects that go with treatment. But also important to know that there is um, help when it does happen. But one, um, one cannot deny it is certainly one of the problems that occurs um, with the treatment after prostatectomy, after radiation, um, or brachytherapy. But it can. It certainly and brachytherapy, the little pellets that are inserted. Brachytherapy is very localized radiation, mm. as, as you say, planting of pellets into the prostate gland, very effective treatment, but very specific indications for the use of that. Right. If you have any questions, as I said, please don't leave it to the last minute. Take that first step today if you're wanting to speak to Dr. de Villiers. The number is 0892 10 2010. 0892 10 Now, what other cancers should men be aware of? Well, let's start with, with the most preventable cancer, and that's probably lung cancer. So what, what I'm going to do is preach about stop smoking. Um, most cancers in lungs cause... Um, by cigarette smoking. And therefore, um, the, the importance of considering that lifestyle and that habit is so important. Because if we can, can eliminate smoking, we will uh, reduce lung cancer significantly. Yes, there's different kind of lung cancers that can be caused by environmental um, uh, pollution, etc., but the main cause is certainly cigarette smoking. So if the one take-home take message tonight is please consider that habit of yours and stop smoking. It is difficult. I know from many years in practice, I know how difficult it is for patients to, to actually do it. Those, in, in my experience, that um, has um, been um, successful actually just made, made a mental uh, a decision that they're going to do so and they were successful. Right, okay. Then the other big thing we need to talk to men about are their numbers. Yes. Just want to quickly, just the, the cancer. Oh, right, and, yes. Um, remember colon cancer. Any, any blood in your stools, any family history um, of colon cancer and talk to your family um, doctor about screening for colon cancer. It is a very important cancer, and um, but when it is diagnosed early, can be treated very successfully. But yes, so we're talking health, and where do we start tomorrow? What do I need to do? And I frequently say, let's let's start with knowing your numbers. And once once you know your numbers, you need to know you you will be able to know how to change your lifestyle to, ad to address those abnormal numbers. So what are they? The first one has to do with your weight. So the numbers that we want is your weight and your um, body mass index. And the body mass index give an indication of the amount of fat in your body. And your fat in your body is a risk factor, and therefore it is important to know and do something about it. Um, the calculation for body mass uh, index, if you want to do it yourself, is your weight in kilograms divided by your height in meters squared. So if the number is 25, it is about normal. Between 25 and 30, it starts getting um, a little bit high. And over 30 means that you are obese. And if you are obese, it means that 
you are at risk of developing heart disease, diabetes, and all those other chronic diseases. So um, don't. Uh, it's an important number to have. The second important number is your circumference around your body. In other words, at the level of your belly button. And again, a very good indication of whether you are at risk. Easy to do. Um, midway between your rib cage, the under end of your rib cage and your pelvis, round about for people who don't have a sagging tummy, round about the middle of, of your abdomen. And if it is under 94, you know you're okay. Uh, between 94 and 100, you know you need to do something about it. Over 100, and especially over 102, you know you're at risk and something needs to be drastically done. You need to know your blood pressure. So the number there, the normal number, is around about 120 over 80. 140, 90 is really probably in the range where you will need to look at treatment. You need to know your blood glucose. So blood glucose fasting need to be under 5.6. And then your um, cholesterol need to be under 5. Most of those tests can be done at um, obviously at your family practitioner, but also at uh, a, a chemist with a, a professional nurse who runs a clinic there. They can do most of the tests and, and help you to have your baseline numbers. If any of those are abnormal, I suggest you go and see your family doctor. There's one other import. It's not a number. It's a plus or a minus. You need to know your status. You need to know Absolutely. your HIV status. In this country, it's a huge epidemic. We need to get it under control, and we need to take responsibility for it. So remember, that is the other number that, that you want. So there's quite a lot that men need to think about. Yes, and, um, and, and obviously a lot of that um, um, reflects in terms of lifestyle. Frequently when um, a doctor talks to patients about lifestyle, they sort of say, here we go again. Yeah. Unfortunately, the evidence is there that we can prevent heart disease, um, diabetes, high cholesterol, um, and cancer uh, by living healthy. So it's, it's very important that we look at the way we exercise. We have to look at our diet. Uh, we have to look what we do in our body in terms of tobacco, in terms of alcohol, in terms of drugs. And that includes over-the-counter drugs. People tend to drink a lot of stuff that they don't really know. They think it, it, um, it's not harmful, but it actually can be very harmful. We need to make sure that we don't have too much stress because that could be a risk factor on its own. So, yes, we need to understand lifestyle that is associated with health and we need to adjust our bodies um, and our lifestyle to improve our health. Now, for parents listening out there, how do we actually get this into our boys' heads when they're young enough so that they grow up with the right mindset when it comes to their health? I think it's as important for <clears throat> boys and girls to know how important health is and the focus again on health. And I think it is important from the young age that Parents support their children in terms of what healthy lifestyles are really about. And I know it is difficult, uh, difficult nowadays. Um, fast foods are very popular, but it's really not healthy. Um, and therefore, um, habits like smoking, um, the, the excessive use of alcohol, the excessive use 
um, the regular um, doing of exercise, all of those messages need to be um, um, transferred to the, your children to make sure that it becomes a way of life for them. Because before we came on air, I mentioned to you that I've, I've sort of got into trouble before for saying things like, Men tend to go to the doctor until they're about 18 when mom's taking them and then the doctor doesn't see them for years until there's a wife or a steady girlfriend or somebody who's now making them go to the doctor. And men got a little bit upset and said I was being bossy. I'm not being bossy, I'm just being, trying to be helpful. That gap, you need to go to the doctor. We, we're only looking out for your health. And that is unfortunately also very true. We do have a trend that men are more likely nowadays to go to the doctor. But they still tend not to go when they really need to go. So um, scientifically, um, from all the studies, trying to establish why um, the life expectancy of men is less than that of women, um, it does show that men are more reluctant to use the services of their family practitioner and other health um, providers and um, going for regular checkups and screening tests. Why do you think that is? Is it just a fear of the doctor, or is it just that macho thing of I'm fine and I'll just you know shake it off? Yeah, I I think it's it's more a psychological thing. It's more a mindset thing that men are strong, and certainly um, in terms of health, they're not necessarily the strongest sex, and we know that, and hence um, the um, Men's Health Awareness Month. And hopefully what we want to achieve is that men actually go and think about it and say, yes, I'm going to take responsibility for my own health now and I'm going to improve it. I'm going to improve my numbers. I'm going to get it better. I'm going to get, have a healthier lifestyle and probably prevent um, any of the number of preventable diseases. There was a call that came in earlier from a listener who wanted, just wanted to know how do you screen for colon cancer? I would imagine that's a colonoscopy. Yes. There's, there's a, a very simple test. Um, on, on a yearly basis, they can do um, tests for blood in the feces, in other words, in the stool. And um, so it's a little bit of um, an issue because you have to be on a diet for 24 hours and so on to just to prevent false negative tests, but it does give an indication. Um, but then um, for people with a family history of colon cancer, um, they need to discuss a regular colonoscopy um, schedule with their doctors. Um, and then for those um, who don't have a family history, after the age of 50, probably um, every five years and, and even, even um, every 10 years um, after that. But that is the way to physically diagnose it. But it can be screened by um, checking for blood in the stools. If there's a family history, and I cannot stress it enough, it is so important that people with a family history of cancer... And that goes for almost any illness. Any, any illness, but very much so in cancer, heart disease, um, very uh, specifically diabetes, um, all of those, prostate cancer, very important. Now, just a word of thing about the colon cancer. A friend of ours had was diagnosed with early stage colon cancer. He was treated. He's now, I think it must be five years now, completely clear. So, you know, if you catch it early, the prognosis is good. I think for, for oncologists would always say, you know, they can treat a patient when, when they get them and they do their best. But if they can get a cancer early, the chances of cure 
is so much greater. So it is very important to try and diagnose early. So be aware of your body in total. If there's symptoms that, that you do, cannot explain, if there's weight loss that you cannot explain, tiredness that you cannot explain, go and find out. Let your doctor go to your doctor, examine and let him refer you if necessary. Can we just go back almost to the very beginning of our conversation? You were talking about testicular cancer. Now that sadly affects very young men. Yes. From what age to what age again, you said? Round about from the age of 15 okay. to 30, 35. So if the young boys, the parents need to start talking to the boys now. Yes, yes. The, um, the fathers need to tell their boys to, to examine there and to feel their testes and, and to know what it feels like and if there's any change in size or any um, hardness in there, it is important. That is the... The earlier um, it is diagnosed, the greater the success of treatment. It is one of those very successful treatments if it is picked up early. Absolutely, but also one of those that's so tragic if it's not diagnosed early. Okay, so it's very similar to women with breast ca with, with breast lumps, you're looking for lumps. Absolutely. Any hardness, change in shape, form, that sort of thing. Yep, absolutely. And you remember Lance Armstrong didn't really... Um, take note of um, the testers that got uh, bigger. It wasn't painful. Eventually, it became painful, and then it was diagnosed. He's fortunately cured, um, and and it, so it is important never to neglect. Right. We have our first call on the line. Magasa in Polokwane. Good evening. Magasa, good evening. I'm having a misunderstanding about the schizophrenia condition. Because uh, tonight I can hear you basically focusing on men's health. Yes, we are. And, uh, and I heard somewhere that uh, this schizophrenia is um, most of the time is getting uh, expressed on, on males. And uh, my uncle is having schizophrenia and I'm and I'm, I'm fearing that maybe I'm having that gene which is carrying that, uh, that condition. So I'd like to know if uh, the specialist in your studio... Uh, Magasa, I'm, I'm having Magasa, I'm having very big problems trying to hear you. Maybe just hold the phone slightly further away from your mouth, and maybe just talk in, because it's, I can't hear you. What you what you've been asking me? Okay, I, I, I want to know if like schizophrenia or any condition like this. Is it true that a, a condition like schizophrenia can uh, only be uh, expressed in males? Because somewhere, somewhere, I have thought um, there is something called the chromosome X, which is carried by males. And uh, this schizophrenia is among the, the genes which are, are carried on that chromosome X, which is carried by males. So I'd like to know if like, my uncle is having schizophrenia. Is there any chance that myself as well I can be a carrier of this, uh, of this schizophrenia? And if so... Okay, uh, Magasa, okay, you, you're talking about the chromosomes and, and problems and what illnesses can be carried on the chromosomes, but I didn't hear what illness you, what you were talking, which illness you mentioned. Schizophrenia. Sorry, what? Schizophrenia. Schizophrenia? Yes. Oh, okay, mental illness. Yes. Okay. So I, I want to know that if, if there anywhere if I can be, if maybe my uncle is having that mental illness, is there anywhere whereby I can be screened for that uh, mental illness, if, if maybe there are some chances that in the future I can also suffer that illness. 
because, as I said, because I had uh, information somewhere on the internet that uh, this schizophrenia is carried by something to do with chromosome X, and those chromosome X are found on males. Okay, let's, let's, yeah. let's ask Dr. Yeah. De Villiers. Now, did you get that? He says his uncle, his, his uncle, are you not hearing anything? His uncle has got schizophrenia and he was reading something on the internet and that said that schizophrenia is carried in the X chromosome and he wants to know if it's any way he can be screened for schizophrenia. Magasa, um, I'm not 100% sure about um, that one. Um, however, um, the, the most important thing with any family history um, is the awareness that it is in the family and therefore if there's any abnormal behavior and with schizophrenia the behavior is 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 very specific so again i think visiting and discussing it with your family doctor is very important it is as important for depression in a family or for any other mental illness in a family um, because it is as a group of diseases probably um, the most un- underdiagnosed group of diseases and it is very very important so in terms of this i would say just discuss it um, and I- any um, possible symptoms that you may be worried about discuss it with your family doctor who will be able to refer you Okay, okay. Okay, Magasa, but I think you need to go, if, if you're worried about anything, if you've seen any signs in yourself that you're concerned about, I think you just need to go and mention that to your doctor. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you, thank you, Magasa. Thanks for the call. Good night to you. Right, um, off to Durban, our good friend, Abdul Karim. Abdul Karim, good evening. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? In the cold Cape Town, or is it warm? Um, well, it's slightly warmer tonight for some reason, but it's been yeah, it's, it's, it's been because freezing. of us recently all the nice weather today. Okay? Oh, oh, thank you. I rather <laughs> I want the cold, Abdul Karim. I like the winter. And anyway, good evening, doctor. He, a doctor can't hear for some reason. We're going to have good to do evening, something. Doctor. We can't. No, there's a problem with his headphones. He can't okay, hear you. Okay. Uh, what I want to find out from doctor is, <clears throat> I had a family history of prostate cancer, right? Uh, my elder brother. We have two brothers. He had cancer of the prostate many, many years. He's now late. Two years ago, he passed on. But about three, four years, I've been doing a PSA on my prostate for a while now, about eight, seven, eight years. And it's, it went at three, four, five. And then to go for examination, and the urologist is to find that my prostate is enlarged, but the PSA was growing slowly. So about three years, three and a half years ago, they did scraping, you see. And when he got in there, unfortunately, what happened is they... He had to, they gave me uh, epidurum and they did, they did the scraping, but they found that I had a lot of blood and infection, so they closed me up. I stayed in the hospital for three weeks, and, and eventually I recovered, and they, you know, they took out all the muck and whatever. And exactly about four or five months after that, I went for a proper scrape. I was fine, everything had healed. And they did the scrape, and I'm now perfect. My urine is coming out much better. Uh, and uh, my biopsy was done. It was negative. That's about three and a half years ago. And my PSA now sits at about two, two. Do I have to still carry on doing a test every year? Or, I mean, now since I've had the prostate scraped and my uh, prostate is not enlarged anymore, my PSA has come down to about two, level two. Uh, do I have to keep a check on it every year? Or should I just now leave it? Or what is it? I'm 69 years old. Yes, Abdul. Um, good evening. 
Good evening. And, and you're absolutely right. Um, the the tumor marker will give you an indication if there's a progression of your disease, yeah. or whether it stays in check. So um, yes, it is very very important that you get regular, and your doctor will guide you in terms of the frequency of those tests. And uh, but it is an indicator uh, for you, and will give you peace of mind if you know that it hasn't increased. Yeah, but the thing is, I had a biopsy; it was negative. And now my prostate, I did a test last about six months ago, it was about two. It's not going up, so is it okay? Should I just stay like that and not worry, or must I do every yearly check, or what should I do on the PSA? No, I think you continue with your, your checks. Um, once is, a year? You continue once a year with your, um, with your PSA. Your doctor will guide you as you get older. That um, Is there a possibility, uh, just, just a hypothetical question, is there a possibility with time? I'm seven. I'm I'm 69 now, but I'm just saying. Uh, does does after you've been cleared with uh, no malignancy in your prostate, is there a possibility of it ever coming back, or are you getting a, a, a PSA problem later at the 70, 72, or is it fine now? No, I think very frequently, if you've survived for five years, um, one can feel a lot um, uh, more comfortable that it's being cured. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the important thing is just peace of mind to have your checks from time to time and um, and your doctor will guide you in that frequency. Okay, number two, I know you don't like it, but I just can tell you, I do homeopathic medicine. Uh, I've qualified in homeopathy. Mm -hmm. And I do about a few minutes, and I, I live on... Certain, uh, <coughs> is it your field or are you only a or what? No, I'm, I'm a family physician. You're a physician? Yes. Okay. There's two, three questions I'll ask you. Okay, Abdul Karim, <coughs> we've actually got loads and loads of calls okay, here, so I'm, very just quick. A, just the three questions. Very quickly. Right. I, I, I supplement myself with Modicare Plus, two a day. I supplement with Omega-3 uh, omega fatty acids, okay? I take, I take B12 with folic acid every day. I take this new tablet for liver, which is um, live, uh, it's made by a Malaysian product, uh, Himalaya products. They say it's very good for detoxing liver. And I do one of these new cardiovascular discipline, which is a small tablet dissolves in your mouth. Can that cause any harm? Um, it, it doesn't sound that any of those that you're taking um, can do any harm. So you can continue with Now, it. the discipline that takes the cardiovascular, it turns your blood, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, now, do I have to, if I do happen, I don't say I will go for, I had been for a while repair 18 years ago, and I was, it was repaired. It was never replaced, but my heart, my heart valve was 18 years ago repaired, and I go through regular checkups every year, and it's not deteriorating, it's fine. But I'm saying, taking discipline cardiovascular, is good. Uh, on, uh, it dissolves in your mouth. Uh, is, is it, is it going to, say, with the omega-3, will it cause a problem for my blood to get more thinner? No. You can because continue. Somebody with told that. me the other day that if I do happen to go for surgery, I must tell them that I've been taking that because it, it does sometimes cause bleeding. That, that's correct. correct. That is that is correct, Abdul. That, okay, that, that you would question. need to do. No, Abdul, I'm sorry. No, okay. what? I have to let I, you. I have to let you go, Abdul. Really, we've got a list, a long list of of callers, and we've we've given you a lot of time. I'm so sorry, but please do call in our next our next time we have a show. Right, off to Mpumalanga. Peter, good evening. How are you? Can, um, can you hear me clearly? Yes, we can. Thank you, Peter. Okay, thank you. How are you? Good morning. Good evening, doctor. Hello, Peter. Yes, I'm having to a problem. I once had an STI. I'm, um, I'm 29 years of age. I'm about 30 right now. Okay. And I once had an, yes, I once had an STI. Yeah. 
And then I went to a doctor. I got cured about a year or two, two years ago. But this ATSDI started by itching, and then from there, there was a lot of death. I think you know that STI. So now the problem is the STI is cured, I think, two years back. But right now, while I'm constantly having STI, a lot of itchiness inside my penis, especially on the on the on the on the on the end of penis, there's a lot of itchiness inside. So the sec- I don't know what is causing that. So the second question again is: Does the um, tumor is there any danger in too much of masturbation? Is, is, there, is there any? Is too much is is there a danger in too much of masturbation? Yeah. Two two things quickly. Um, you know, if you've been cleared of any um, sexually transmitted diseases, um, and and obviously there's tests for those, and that is fine. Um, there's other causes that can cause itchiness, and it is very important that um, you go and um, see, go to the clinic or see your doctor in terms of it, because it, it's it's probably a minor problem that can be um, cured very easily. So. Um, if you cleared in terms of your sexually transmitted diseases, then then it's fine. The second thing um, you wanted to know about your masturbation? Is too much of it. Is there any danger to prostate cancer or anything of that? Is there any danger that too much oh, masturbation oh, could cause prostate uh, cancer? No, n- not at all. I, I think the important thing is, and, and, and the... Um, the important message is is, is that uh, masturbation, psychologically or physically, will not cause any harm. Okay, okay. Is that okay? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for the call. Good night to you. We have 20 minutes left. We've got a few calls lined up. If you have a question, we could maybe squeeze you in at the end. 0892102010. Right, um, back off to Cape Town. Christo, good evening. Uh, good evening, Karen. Thank you for taking my call. It's I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. How can we help, Christo? Uh, I just want to bring to the notification to the doc with regards to this prostate cancer problem. Mm. I've been, I'm an ex-military member as such, you know, and I've got my own private uh, general practitioner as well. I'm over 60 years old now. I'm retired. And when I went to my GP and asked him with regards to the prostate, uh, the physical test, uh, he said, no, he's not comfortable with that as such, you know, uh, he would rather refer me. And I went back to the Defence Force then and, and asked them there, you know, because I was, I can get my medical treatment free from there. Uh, the doctors, they also told me there that they're not doing that on a regular basis. So they don't feel comfortable, you know, with doing the examination and they rather refer me to the urologist. It just seems to me, you know, like a long way to go to a specialist for simple treatment. Uh, well, as from another side, I'm from my side, as such. So perhaps a lot of uh, patients, you know, are experiencing the same problem that the GPs aren't as uh, comfortable with doing that test, and they want them to be first every time to urologist to do the triple test. Uh, perhaps I'm, you know, uh, one. Uh, one in a million, but that's a general, uh, you know, the general scene I'm experiencing at this stage. Yeah. I'm quite horrified to say the least, Christo. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my story, you know. So I, I just feel, you know, that if I go now to a specialist out of my own accord, mm. uh, I, I feel from myself that I'm wasting his time, you know, because it seems to me like the doctors uh, doesn't seem to do that sort of physical test. As a matter of urgency, and just relying on the PSA results, yeah. uh, as such, you know, and then I must, as a, from my patient side, 
I must go and approach a specialist, you know, uh, with regards to this test. You know, I just feel, you know, a little bit uh, pushy <laughs> if I do that, if you hear what I'm, uh, hear what I'm saying. Doctor? I, I think you're making a good point, and, and certainly, um, you know, most of my colleagues, I'm sure, will feel quite comfortable to do it. You know, even on a postgraduate level, um, we retrain uh, doctors to do it because it's such an important test. And I totally agree with you that it is a test that can be done on primary care level. In other words, your GP or family practitioner should do it and and will have the expertise actually to do it. So um, I'm sorry to hear about your experience, but I... No, really, sure. Doc, but the, uh, are, are they really okay, uh, you know, okay with themselves to do it as such if they don't do it on a regular basis? You know, will they be able to compensate with it? Yes. That's, that's my main concern. Yeah, mm. I, I certainly think so, because, you know, uh, we see lots of men patients, and um, if you do it regularly, you get good at what you're doing. Obviously, if you're not doing it, then it's problematic. Exactly. But most of the doctors... Um, do it regularly, they they fay mm -hmm. with it. And as I say, um, we don't just accept that. Um, we also, in, in postgraduate training, we use models and we actually let them do uh, rectal examinations because it's so important. But I think the point that you've made um, yes. is, is, is absolutely valid. It is um, screening need to happen on primary care level um, and one need to make sure that our colleagues on that level can actually um, do that examination for you with confidence so that you can walk out and see you've had a good examination. Exactly, because, you know, in the private sector and the military, they're not, they're not feeling, you know, okay with that. So yeah. I just want to bring that to the, well, uh, thank you. the, you know, to everybody's point that they may happen or that may, they may experience the same problem as yeah. such, but not to deter from doing the right thing at the end of the thank day. Thank you, Krista. That's the most important point. Don't give up. Go Thank and get so it much. done. Thank you very Thanks, much for the call. Thanks, Thanks Christo. Christo. Good sure. night to you. That is the, the big thing. If, if you get sort of pushed from pillar to post, don't give up. Just keep yeah. going because really it's your life. You Absolutely. need to go and have it checked out. Right, John in KwaZulu-Natal, good evening. Uh, good evening, Corin, and good evening, Doctor. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, I'm very pleased, Doctor, that you mentioned weight loss. I have a list of the seven warning signs of cancer on the inside of my cupboard door. And uh, right at the bottom, a very small print, they talk about unexplained weight loss, and that's why I phoned. I did get an answer to this worry today from two ladies, one of them obviously very well qualified, um, from my Cape Town-based medical aid society, who uh, um, took uh, weight, height, all the rest of it, even calculated by BMI, body mass index. And I did, but I just wanted additional um, uh, assurance from you that I'm worrying unnecessarily. Um, I'll be brief. Um, a week ago, uh, first of all, I'm 79. I haven't smoked since I was 32. Um, I was until uh, last Sunday um, having a daily spot or two before dinner, but I haven't had any liquor since then. Um, I woke up uh, a week ago yesterday, bilious and giddy, and ate hardly anything, um, just drinking fluids and uh, eating little bits of toast. Um, and the next day I started to go back onto normal diet. Um, I'm on AltoSec at the moment for um, what I was an ulcer. I've taken six pills out of the 30 prescribed. Um, a couple of days after uh, fasting last uh, 
Monday, um, I weighed myself and I found that the 70 kilograms I had dropped to over a period of a year from 73 had decreased to 68. I suppose it is possible to lose two kilograms in one day of fasting, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, um, if your giddiness and your biliousness have been caused by, for instance, a virus infection, it's, all of that's possible. However, at 79 years, you're at risk for all kinds of things. So if the weight loss continues, then it is necessary to um, make sure um, that there's nothing underlying. Then you need a full checkup to see. Um, if you see that it's stabilizing and normalizing, then you don't have to worry too much about it. Um, but if you um, start feeling weak and so on, and if the weight loss continue, I would certainly say watch it for another week. If you see that your weight is still continuing, you need a full examination to see if there's un anything sinister somewhere. I see. So uh, my doctor has said um, uh, take the Altosec. Yes. Uh, I have 24 left yes. uh, daily. Uh, what, half an hour before supper and then if I'm still not 100% right then he'll send me for I couldn't catch the word or, or I've forgotten it as, as something scoppy um, so but uh, in view of what you, the advice you've given me uh, even if um, uh, the weight loss continues um, before the 24 next 24 days are up go back to him again yes absolutely I think he's 100% correct so what he's saying is see if this is um, a treatable disease, um, if the symptoms persist um, and with the weight loss, he will continue doing a gastroscopy to see if everything is okay in the stomach. So um, the advice is 100%. And um, so f if, if you feel that symptoms aren't improving, the weight loss continue, go back to him even earlier than the 24 days. Right, thank you. The, the ulcer pain has gone, but I still have um, occasional discomfort after eating. Yeah. I, I'm eating less too because alcohol stimulates the appetite and I'm no longer using alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, uh, doctor, thank you very much indeed okay, for so. your advice and your time. Uh, oh, sorry, one last question about the weight. Um, I was assured by these ladies from the Medical Aid Society today that it's normal for old people to lose weight Yes, uh, that is also true. Um, but, you know, if there's unexplained weight loss um, like yours um, within a short period of time, then I don't think we can. If there's a gradual weight loss as one um, gets a little bit older, that, that is um, one can explain. We'll probably talk a little bit about um, testosterone deficiency as we get older, the testosterone Rone get a little bit less and the um, the muscles get a little bit um, smaller and and um, lose some of its mass and obviously that will also reduce weight um, so one will have to look at everything but I think um, how you are being assessed at the moment is 100% correct right um, I have lost another half kilogram since weighing myself about uh, at 68 about uh, um, six days ago yeah. um, so, um, I, if, so if that this loss continues then I'll follow your advice and go back to my doctor before the 24 days are up I agree with you right. That's great. thank you so much doctor okay. good luck right. John right. good night thanks for the call good night to you right off to Christiana now I'm Ponky good evening good evening Karen hello can I pose my question yes my question I'm not sure as to whether it's 
attributable to my to my maleness, but I suppose perhaps it is. Uh, towards the end of January, I had to drive from Christiana to Freiburg on a daily basis for about five days, where I sat for the whole day from 8 o'clock until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And towards the end of the workshop of five of five days, I started experiencing a pain between my palms, like uh, right at the end of my spine. I wonder who'd, what could have caused this. I, I was driving practically on a daily basis for about 300 kilometers a return trip from Christiana to Freiburg. Can the doctor perhaps shed a light? What could be causing that? It's very terrible. It feels like it's on the spine, yeah. right way, right at the tail of the spine. It, it, um, Ponky, it sounds to me as if there may be a little bit of bruising of your coccyx, which is the terminal end of your spine. And Something like that, yes. And frequently, if, um, if you sit for so long, obviously it can get bruised and can get a little bit injured. So if you touch between your buttocks right at the end of your spine and it's very painful then you know what it is and um, you know one can manage it with anti-inflammatories and so on so it is important just to make a a definite diagnosis and and know what's going on but it seems to me that um, from the history that you gave that that may be a very probable cause oh i see so it, it will not require like your surgery or, or so. It's not a major thing, according to you, doctor. I don't think so. Um, and you know, it's always very important to make a hundred percent. We we assuming things here, but if it doesn't go away with normal anti-inflammatories that you can get at the chemist, then you need to see a doctor. Can I say? Can can it be like a uh, what you call over-the-counter medication that I should ask for my pharmacist here? Yes, the the pharmacist will will give you an anti-inflammatory for a short course, and if it is what we suspect, then you should have relief um, from that. So you can get it from your pharmacist. Thank you very much. Okay. Good night. Thanks, Mponky. Good, good night to you. Right, um, right off to Bloemfontein now, Wiseman. Good evening. Yes, good evening, ma'am. Hello. Hello, Wiseman. Yes, good evening, ma'am. How can we help yes, you, Wiseman? Yes, I'm having a problem. Okay. Uh, yes, on my skin, sometimes I, I see a small white thing is itching. After it's itching, it becomes big and hard. When I press it, it shows the white thing and red things. It's painful like I'm painting. I don't know what is the... Um, um, sorry, Wiseman, where do you see the white and the red things? It started here, you know, where you put your roll-on on my hands, where you put your roll-on. It started on the left, it become on the right. Now it's on the hands now. Oh, so so you've got a rash um, in your armpits and on your hands. Yeah, yeah, it started at one white rash, one. And it's painful like it's burning, like fire. Yeah, you After know. After that, it become big. When we... When I press it, it shows white thing and red thing inside. Yeah, it, it, it is hot. It looks to me as if um, you may have um, an infection of some of the glands in, in your armpits that may have spread perhaps to other parts of your arms. And that probably then needs an antibiotic. So it's going to be very important to get to the clinic or to your um, family practitioner um, so that they can put you in an antibiotic to get it under control. Okay. How long How long has this been going on, Wiseman? Uh, I think now it's one month. Because I treated this one on my left, I treated this out. Now it jumped to the right hand. Yeah. After right hand, it shows there on the 
next to the hands and next to the fingers, it shows the white thing. When I touch it, it's like I'm painting like fire. No, no, those things, I, I'm, uh, you must have it checked out. I think it's only going to get worse. Yes. So off you go tomorrow. Can you get to the clinic tomorrow? Yes, I'll get to the clinic. Antipet, what do you call it? Antibiotics. Okay. You must speak to tell show the doctor. The doctor, I'm sure, will tell you that it's some sort of an infection, yeah. and he will prescribe antibiotics for you. Yeah, because last I went to the chemist, they tell me I must go and check the blood. Yeah, no, you must yeah. go. Yeah. The, yeah, don't go to the chemist. You must go to the clinic and speak yes. to the doctor there. They must see it. They must have a look at it. Okay. Man. All right. Good okay, luck with that. Kamala. Good luck, Wiseman. Good Thanks. Wiseman. Good night mm. to you. Bye bye. Right, um, off to the Eastern Cape now. Kamalo, good evening. Hello, how are you? Very well, how are you? I'm great. Hello, Kamalo. How can we help you this evening? Yeah, I'm having some loop between my testes for a long time. It's, it's somehow like my one of my testes, but it's developing, it's becoming bigger now. It's not painful, it's not nothing, but at times it's itchy. I don't know whether it's a prostate cancer or something like that. I don't know. Kamala, how old are you now? Sorry? How old are you now? I'm exactly 40 years now. 40 years. Um, yes, yes it, it is important to have it checked out. It can obviously be, um, it can, um, obviously be a hernia. A hernia is, is just fluid that um, goes in a sac down into the testes, um, it, it, uh, the testes will swell uh, when you stand up and when you lie down it may um, reduce in size again. But I think the important thing that we are saying, although that's a probability that it could be a hernia, that could be surgically repaired. Obviously it can be other stuff. So it is very important that you have it checked out. So I should see a doctor to make the check out no? Yes. But, you know, it, there is a possibility that it's not cancer, but it is something that um, it can be a nuisance, but it can be repaired. Now, Kamala oh. mentioned that he asked whether it could be prostate cancer. Now, if anything, it would be testicular cancer. If, if anything, it would be testicular cancer. Um, um, but, you know, again, if, if we anything. have any abnormality, I think it's, it's necessary to have it checked out. How long has this been going on, Kamala? Long time, even when I was young, it was the smaller, but it's yeah. recently that it is it's becoming bigger. I'm sure it's a, it's a hernia, and you know, if it's it's a fairly small operation, and they can um, easily treat it for you. Excuse me, if I can see if you can link me to any specialist or something like that, so that I can see them or something like that. He wants yeah. he wants yeah. a recommendation. I, we can't unfortunately <laughs> do that on the air, Kamala. I'm afraid. Um, I think you need to speak to your local doctor or to the local clinic, and they'll be able to put you in touch with the correct people. Okay. Thank you. All right. Okay. Thanks, thanks Kamala. Good night to you. Bye-bye. Right. It's probably going to be our last call this evening. Emmanuel in KZN. Good evening. Yes. How are you? Hello. Very well. And you? I'm fine. Hello, Emmanuel. How can we help? Yes. I, I want to ask the doctor uh, about my something that they call it in testicular cancer. Yes. Because my, my testicles are like swallowing and they 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 swallow and they 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 are not equal anymore. So I don't know if I can. I want to find out where can I get the test. Yeah, Emmanuel. Um, the public or hospital. 
was like I'm, 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 I'm diabetic and then I'm battling to control it, but I'm trying. Okay. So I want to mention it to the doctor I had to go to hospital, but I don't think he's taking it serious. Yeah, again, like the the previous caller, it, it sounds um, to me very much like it could be a hernia. Um, and um, I think, you know, it is so easy to have it checked out. So if you go to the clinic or to your family doctor, they will examine the testes. They will be able to feel um, if there's hard, abnormal growth or whether it is just um, fluid that's um, accumulated. So... Um, I think it is very important to go and see um, your family doctor as soon as you can because even if you just get reassurance that it's not cancer or if it is, then something uh, more serious that it can be seen seen to and, and treated. Okay. How long has that, have you had the problem, Emmanuel? Oh, the problem was noticing last year, December. December yeah. last year started noticing this. Yeah. No, I, I, I think it's they important. They put me on antibiotics and then, but it's still continuing. And then they, I've been to a, what's what in what you call? To the urologist. Who did you go oh, and the see? Doctor's long the doctor. Yes, the doctors have done some tests and then they, they didn't see anything. No, it's important that you go back. Uh, um, to be reassessed, and um, and then to make a recommendation. If they if they need need to refer you from the clinic or from your family doctor to a specialist, then that must also be done. But don't okay. leave Emmanuel until you get a proper answer. All right. Make okay. you must know what the problem is before you leave. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, good luck to you, Emmanuel. Now, that's also what's coming through here is that people are going and not getting the correct service, if you like, for want yeah. of a better word. Mm -hmm. are, and my view is, you know, ask the doctor. If you're not happy, keep asking until you are happy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think the, you know, um, one need to make 100% sure that if a, a problem persists, um, that a patient will have the confidence to go back to his um, doctor or clinic and be re-examined and referred when necessary. I think in general, um, we need to become a lot more patient-centric, which means we need to care more and we need to follow up and we need to make sure that there's continuity of care. So if we need referral and referral back, we need to make sure that that actually happens. Well, my thanks once again this evening to Dr. Martin de Villiers. He's a family physician and a specialist in family medicine. He's also a member of the Men's Health Association, which launched this month. And for more information, you can take a look at the Facebook page, Men Staying Healthy. Dr. de Villiers, thank you very much indeed for joining me this evening. Thank you, Cara. It was really very interesting. Well, if you've missed something on the show tonight, you can find all the details of tonight's show on Facebook. It's Health Matters on SAFM or email me on healthmatters at safm.co.za. And that's it for Health Matters for this week. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after nine with time to travel. But right now it's time for some nighttime music with Stephen Kirker. Hello, Stephen. <laughs>